0: Well, this morning, I'm going to continue on in our series called Promise and what God has actually promised. Um, Before we do that, I want to mention how last week we had Mission Sunday. and If you were here, you got to hear from essentially a panel of all the missionaries that we support, um, that you support um, as a church body, and just hear what God is doing in and throughout their ministries. If you are not here, um, we have that service recorded, so you can go on our website and view that or listen to that um, just to hear some updates about our missionaries and just hear what God is doing through them. But also, we have a little booklet. It's our CFC Missionary booklet. We have extra copies out at the Next Steps table. And if you want just to see, you know, who our missionaries are, what they're doing, grab that booklet. It gives gives you a quick bio, kind of a ministry focus, and also ways to be connected with them, either prayerfully or financially, and just to um, be a part of what they're doing as they're helping others know Jesus and to live for him daily. So that was last week. Um, I'm going to continue on, like I was saying, in our series about what God has actually promised and this morning, I'm going to dialogue on a few things and a few promises that we see from God's word and just simply the truth being spoken. And that's this promise of discipline and this promise also of blessing and how they actually go hand in hand with each other. So this promise of discipline, and this promise of blessing. So you hear us at CFC talk about, and like, like Isaac was saying, that we exist for people to know Jesus and to live for him daily. One of the things is we're not just good with saying yes to Jesus. We also wanna help people continue on and to grow in their faith, and to become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. So living for him daily. It's not just this one-time moment. That's good, and that's great. We also wanna encourage people to continue on in their faith as they live for Jesus daily. And so part of that is what we have kind of coined our pathway of discipleship. There's know, grow, and go. So we know Jesus We're growing in Jesus, so then we can go and make more disciples in his name and take this message of hope and salvation outward, right? And to have more people experience the true freedom found in Christ. Well, part of that no, grow, go is grow. There's got to be some growing conversations and growth conversations, and that's essentially what I'm going to be unpacking this morning, is what we find in God's work, or, uh, word is there's moments of discipline, moments of training, moments of correctness and correcting that we need to have in our lives, and how that's actually another way to experience the love of God, as we live this life in Christ. And that um, when we obey and are obedient to that discipline, what we see is blessing flow out of that. So I'm, I'm assuming that we don't come to church just for a social club environment, that we just come here to have some coffee and kind of like, hey, how you doing? How you doing, right? I'm expecting that we come here for life transformation, We want to hear a fresh word from God. We want to experience what God has, not only for our life, but how we can be used by God to make a difference in this world, that we are here for life transformation and truly knowing Jesus. And so part of that process, again, are those growing moments, those moments where we need transformation, but it comes through hearing the truth of God's word and letting that discipline soak in. And redirect us to be aligned with what God has for our lives. So, this morning I'm gonna be talking about this promise of discipline, how God's promised this in our life in a good way. And out of that also flows this promise of blessing. So, before we dive in, um, I wanna just pray for us, and then we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles with you or an iBible, I'm going to start making your way to that area, but we'll be in Hebrews chapter 12. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much that we can gather here and hear from you. And Holy Spirit, just speak through me this morning. Let it not be my words, but let it be your words. And so God, um, we just give you the glory in all things. And we wanna just take the truth that you have for us and let that be what we hold strong to. Not our own desires or our own truths, but your truth, Lord. So we praise your name, amen. So Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, um, a little background, just the context of this book. We don't actually know the author of this book. What we do know is he was very well respected. He was kind of like in this circle, so to speak, of the leaders of the early church. He mentions a few um, of the big time leaders like, like Timothy by name and just mentions how he's in relationship with them and knows him. And also, this letter was passed around to the early churches quite frequently. So people were reading from it, were being taught from it, and so we know it has validity and we know that there is truth within what was written. We just don't know who wrote it. They just didn't sign their name, essentially, at the end of the letter. But we know it is something to hold true to. And what we also know is a lot of the direction in this letter is towards these early former Jews, now Christ followers um, within the early church, where they, yes, love Jesus, believe in Jesus, but they were slowly slipping back into their old kind of traditions, their old histories of being a Jewish follower. And so this author says, hey, reminder, Like, Christ is supreme. Christ came and fulfilled the law, and that's all we need. We don't have to do all these other things to earn salvation. Like, Christ has done that for you. And so a lot of it is the author uses the history and the great traditions of the Jewish faith, but uses that as a platform to just showcase it's all about Jesus. It all leads up to Jesus. So in chapter 11... Right before what we're going to read, the author mentions this great hall of fame of faith. So big time, like Old Testament characters that showed great, great faith, but actually never saw their promise, whatever God promised to them, come to fruition in their lifetime. And so they lived a life of faith without actually seeing any of what God said was going to happen Come to happen in our lifetime. So the author talks about that. And now we're going to jump in here in chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 1. And I'll be in the Passion Translation. Um, So it's a great new kind of version that I've been really enjoying. And so it says this in chapter 12, verse 1. As for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm. We fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Again, growing forward, growing in the knowledge of Jesus. The example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation, and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls, so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. That's in reference to Jesus the night before he was crucified in the garden. Have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He says this, my child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship, For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. So the first point I want us to get from this section of scripture is this. Is evidence of God's love in our life includes his discipline. This is a promise that we see from the word of God. that If we're living a life for Jesus and with Jesus, we're going to have moments of discipline. Moments of correction, moments where our lives just don't quite line up with what God has intended through his word. But that's a good thing. That's a good promise. What it says here is it's evidence. It's evidence of his faithful love, but it also brings validation to the relationship that we have with God See it's it's not a building of a wall between us and God those moments of discipline it's not like oh my gosh like get out of here like can't believe you did that like come back in an hour when you have your mind figured out no god draws you into him and has those conversations intimately and intently to show his love but also to show his intention for our lives moving forward that we would grow and move forward in our faith not stay the same or go backwards, that we would be growing forwards. Now something that I do want to acknowledge right now in this section is it talks a lot about this relationship, father, son, and discipline. And I wanna say this, is there are some of us who have experienced a very, very horrible, poor form of discipline, or a very poor form of a parental relationship, or father relationship, where there maybe was abuse, whether it be physically, sexually, or emotionally. And know this, that was not your fault at all. That was not your fault. And that person did not display what we see, Marlowe, here, and that is a loving, loving form of discipline. And agape love, an unconditional love towards the children. And so there wasn't grace or mercy or patience or forgiveness in maybe what you had experienced, which was far from what God has intended. See, God is full of grace, full of truth, full of mercy, full of forgiveness. And that's what we're seeing here is that type of discipline being modeled and being displayed. So we're talking about a loving God filled with grace that wants to draw us closer to him through this process of discipleship, but in that, through this process and and promise of discipline, where we are corrected or we are trained back into what God's heart is for our lives. See, God promises that as we live a life that is focused on him, we're gonna have moments of correction, and that's actually a good thing. That again validates our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That shows like he actually thinks good about us because he wants the best for us. He's actually a part of our life. It would be like if we had a coach, a boss, or a doctor who never gave you any feedback, you'd be like, do you even care? Like, hello, like we're doing this and you don't even show up to practice, you don't even do this or even that. Like we would begin to wonder if they even really cared about this relationship. You go to a doctor's office and you show up and they just look at you. You're like, am I okay? Like, what's going on, right? We want some feedback. We want something that shows that there's validation within that relationship. Now, that being said, a lot of times our culture struggles with the feedback that we receive, not only from God, but from others who are godly people with the word of God being their source, is what we see is there's a hardship and there's this cultural context where we don't want to be offended. We want everyone to be happy, everyone to win, no one to get offended. And I feel like this has slowly soaked even into our church culture nowadays, where it's easy to always point the blame somewhere, to have a scapegoat, to give a reason, to be like, well, it's because of this, because of that. That's why I did this and because of this we always are able to stop or step out of the spotlight of that truth and kind of shift the blame somewhere. What we see here, though, is God says, let's bring it back into who you are and let's be okay with that because I love you and I want the best for you and I want you to continue to be on this path of being made holy. And the Bible calls that sanctification, which is this ongoing process that we are being made holy. We are being sanctified. We are continually being set apart from the world and we are shown that we are righteous in Christ. So when it comes to our actions, our thoughts, our words, our hard hearts towards others, or our desires and temptations that we fall into, we have to be okay as Christ followers to submit to the truth that God has in his word for all of us. And we need to be okay and know that this is actually another way to experience God's love. We, we love God's love, right? We sing about it. We go on the beaches and draw, God is love, like, and the, and, you know, like, that's something, right? But when it comes to being disciplined and being corrected, we, oh, that's not God's love. Like, this is who I am. No, that's another way that God is showing his love for his people is bringing them back into his truth, bringing them back into how he has given purpose and design in our lives. And that's how God shows his love continually in those times. You see, again, in our culture, we have these moments where it's kind of about us and, well, I'm gonna do me, like, you do you, boo. That's kind of what we say. And like, it's all right, like, whatever. Now, here's something that pastors have said and I've really taken to um, in the last years is, is, is they say this, you know, God loves us just as we are. He does. He loves us just as we are, that agape love. But God loves us too much for us to stay the same. See, in this process of discipline, it's him showing his love towards us. It's him drawing us closer to his heart and showing us, hey, you might have your way, but it's it's a sinful way. Come back to this way. This is my heart and my purpose in your life. And that's where we need to step. And it's in those moments that we experience the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, which is the love of God. So when we say yes to Jesus, those holy moments where we profess our faith to Jesus, it doesn't just end there. That's just the beginning. That's just the start of this process of allowing God to continually refine who we are through his word, allowing the Holy Spirit to use the word of God to reveal the truth in our life in the areas that still need to be sanctified and still need to be realigned with what God is. We're gonna jump back into Hebrews chapter 12, and we're gonna be in verse 11 and 13, 11, 12, 13. It says this, Now all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. Yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So be made strong even in your weakness, by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees for as you keep walking forward, so keep trusting and keep leaning on God's ways, on God's paths, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. And our second thing I want to get for us this morning is this. The sting of discipline is temporary. While the obedient blessing of transformation Is eternal, So it it hurts. It hurts when you're called out. And there's things in your life that don't align with God. That hurts because you might have to say no to some things that have been a part of your life for a long time. But it's just temporary because the obedient blessing, the peace and the strength that we see from the Lord and the transformation is eternal. It reminds me of when I was a second grader. Um, was doing yard work with my family and got some blisters on my hands. And then that week on recess, was on the good old monkey bars. And when I swung off, like my blisters like popped open and you know, they're all open. I'm like, ah, and they sting, right? And they hurt, I fall and there's like dirt and just junk in there and stuff. And it's like, ah, so you go to like the lunch aid or the recess aid and I'm like, hey, my hands, like they hurt, they're bleeding, like I need help. She was like, go to the nurse, so you go to the nurse's office, and um, so I you know, tell her, like, hey, my hand. She's like, all right, got to clean it out. So what does that mean? Well, it means this little puppy comes out, right? The green soap. I can still smell it right now in my nostrils, just that, that cleansing smell, right? And so you have to wash your hands, and it stings, right? You can almost hear it, like, just taking all of the bad stuff away, and it's like, ah. But it's temporary, right? Just one of those, just for a moment, because then you clean it off, you put some band-aids on it, and you're good to go. But it's necessary, because the sting means it's working, it's cleaning out the infection or the dirt and the grime, but it's also going to be promoting you on this path forward of healing with whatever your wound is, right? Well, the same is for our own life. When our life that, in the areas that might be directed by our flesh or our own personal agenda When those things get kind of realigned back to God's word, it can hurt, and sometimes it can hurt more than others. It might mean new relationships, saying no to friends or dropping some friends. It might mean a new lifestyle, new habits, saying no to addictions or whatever it might be, things that have just been ingrained to who you are as a person, and that can be hurtful and that can be hard but it's temporary, it's temporary. The sting is temporary because the obedience and, the, and what flows out of that is the blessing and the life transformation and that is eternal. So if I was a second grader and didn't get my hands cleaned with that soap, I wouldn't have died, but my hands wouldn't have been on this process of being healed, right? They probably would've got all infected and ooey and gooey and go out and play wall ball and be like, You know, just like, oh, sorry, my infected hands got all over the wall, ball. My friends would be like, get out of here, dude. Like, you are disgusting, right? And so we probably would not die if we don't get all the areas in our life realigned, but we wouldn't be on this process of being divinely healed from the inside out and allowing all those areas of our life that are still not in line with God to be on this process of healing. And then what we're gonna to start to talk through is then the obedience from that and the blessing that flows out of that. Even just recently, yesterday, was help, was building a fence in our backyard um, around our little pool area to make sure our kid doesn't fall in the pool, which is all good. And the instructions that it came with were not instructions. They just weren't. I was like, how does this even work? There were some moments of frustration. And for me, when stress comes in and frustration, I turn into a jerk. Like I just straight up do. Like nice Cooper ain't no nice no more. Like, and so I'm trying to figure out stuff and my kids in all the stuff and my wife. And it's just like, ah, like, everybody just calm down. And they're like, we are calm. Like you're not calm down, right? It's like, "Well." And I was just kind of like, whatever. And we got the thing done. And I was taking a shower and like, I was like, I was a jerk. And the Lord was like, kind of like, yeah, you were a jerk. And I was like, yeah. And I was just reminded in that moment of Ephesians 5, just like how to serve and submit to my family, just to be like that leader of our household. And I was like, I did not show a good model of being a godly leader in those moments at all. I just did not. And so during dinner, I was kind of like, babe, to my wife, like, sorry, I was, I was a jerk. And <laughs> she was like, eh, kind of like, yeah, but like not saying yeah. She's like, "eh," and I was like, "you know, can can you forgive me?" And she's like, "of course." And I'm like, "thanks," because I always want to be, you know, better in those moments. Um, but I still have that junk that's in there, that pride that's in there that just comes out, and and so I just need to continue to work on that and just give that over to the Lord, right? And so it still happens, and it should still happen because we're never not done on this process of sanctification, on this process of allowing the Lord's discipline to call out the junk in our life and to realign that back under God's truth so that then in the obedience there would be blessing of peace and all those things that flow out of that. And I think in our current church culture of not wanting to be held accountable or not wanting to be offensive, we've allowed a lot of wounds, a lot of things that are still infected that are not on this path of healing. Whether it be relationships, maybe you've said things, or things have been said to you, you've held on to those things, you say, I'm not gonna go ask for forgiveness, or I'm not gonna go forgive that person, like, they wronged me too many times. Or there's consequences within your life from decisions you have made or actions you have done that have been time and time and time again, and you're like, God's the meanest person ever. I can't believe like I'm doing this and doing this. I haven't gotten that promotion. I haven't done this. And you start just blame, 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 blame. Well, maybe there's some stuff in your heart that still needs to be worked on, that the Lord needs to just bring out and discipline and correct and allow the temporary sting to occur so you can be on this process of divinely being healed. Or else we're just tired because we haven't heard from God, we haven't experienced his love, we just feel dry. Well, maybe there's a moment where you just need to just let the truth sink in from the word of God, let the Holy Spirit speak to you in a loving way and point out some things. This is part of the process of living for Jesus, that we allow this promise of discipline to be a part of our life. As a reminder, God loves us just as we are. Messed up, hurt, broken. He's unconditional in his love. But God loves us too much for us just to stay the same, stay the same person. He wants us to grow and move forward in our faith. Back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly toward holiness. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. So it's all, also on us that we as Christ followers point out to people and show this is good that you're being disciplined. This is God's grace. Like he forgives us. I forgive you. Like to show that to others. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. We can either be bitter or we can be obedient and grow and be blessed by the Lord in our life when it comes to hearing and reacting to God's good and loving discipline. We have to ask ourselves honestly and intently a few questions of, you know, where am I at with God's discipline? Like, is this something that, when it comes into my life that I just shove away? What is my first reaction when it comes to God's discipline? Am I a blamer, pointer, scapegoater type of person? Or can I see this as an opportunity to receive and experience God's love within my life and within my Christian life? So what we see again is when we obey to this discipline, There's life transformation and blessing that is eternal. We can go on and on about what is blessing, but I think it's even summed up just perfectly in Psalm 23. It shows how God, Jesus as our good shepherd, leads us, guides us, but also provides for us, provides contentment, provides peace, provides strength, and those are blessings. It's not just cha-ching, cha-ching blessing, it's internal, emotional, spiritual blessing that the word really shows. So let's go to Psalm 23. And this is, again, it's from the, the, um, the Passion Translation. It says this in verse one. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an, to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss, That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness. So again, following and submitting to God's ways. So that I can bring honor to his name. Verse four. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority... Or your discipline or your rightness is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. So even the comfort of your discipline, of your guiding, takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of until my heart overflows So why would I fear the future? I think a lot of us can probably relate, fearing for the future. Right here, the psalmist David is like, no, like why would I fear the future? Because I know by being led by you, there is peace and blessing and strength. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love, pursue me all the days of my life. And afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. See, we are blessed by responding to God's direction, his discipline. And it's through that that we have strength and peace that leads us to his love. They correspond, they correlate with each other. This is a promise that we have from his word as we live a life in Christ that we're going to have. And that is a good thing. That is a beautiful thing. So we have to respond, but also be reminded by this truth and by these truths about who God is and his love towards us. So if we're a Christ follower, let's be encouraged to trust in God's authority for his strength and peace. That yes, there will be discipline, but let's take that as a sign of God's love for us. And it might be a temporary sting, but what we see is this obedience and blessing that is eternal outward and out from it. Let's trust in that and be good with that. And for those of us who have maybe never taken a step forward in Jesus, what I love is just reading that Psalm 23, we see a lot of our worries, our stresses, the things that hit, the, the peace that we're looking forward really comes by actually submitting to Jesus and trusting in him and allowing him to be our guide, not our own ways, but submitting to His authority, to His leading, His footsteps, because that's where true strength is, and that's ultimately where true peace is as well. And I love when it says in there that I lack nothing, and that's true because we are all searching for something, but that something truly is everything in who Jesus is in his plan, in his love for all of mankind. Let's pray.